0: I mentioned uh, something last week about the abundance of wonderful preachers that we have. And uh, someone said to me as they were leaving, about that preaching, Russ, keep practicing. So, so I want you to know, Phil, that, that, that I'm going to take that to, to practice, that I'm going to preach for an hour and a half this morning. And uh, if you find that too long, you can talk to Phil afterwards. <laughs> See? Get your, would you, Mary, would you toss that in my... Okay, thank you. Good hands. Open up your Bible to Hebrews chapter 12. Uh, I appreciate uh, the affirmation and feedback I got from last week. I was actually quite surprised because I thought I was just kind of making a kind of introduction to the year and some uh, dates and announcements, and I got a, a ton of feedback, and I thought maybe I should just talk about dates all the time. <laughs> Maybe that'd make me a better preacher. <laughs> There's been a, a lot of prophetic words that we've been aware of for the church, not just our church, but for the church as a whole in the last few months. Speaking of ingathering, of increase in the supernatural, uh, speaking of an army of ministers, a kingdom of priests, which we all are, we get to do all that. Just as a side real quick, when God speaks in, in prophecy, the prophetic has actually two purposes. One is to show that God is real. Uh, there's a, a main theme in the book of Isaiah where God says that he's told you what's going to happen, so when it happens, you know that he said it. And then he challenges the idols and say, tell us something, good or bad. And so there's this concept of God declaring and then moving and then proclaiming what he's done. So part of that, I mean, if you want to look that up, Isaiah 48, 3 to 5, 44, 7, 41, 22 to 24. I just said that real quick to get it on the tape. We're not looking those up today. That's an aside for those of you who want to look. But the other purpose is that we can see and prepare for what he says he's doing. Okay, it's not a... Well, God said something. That means it's going to happen no matter what I do. There is a truth to that, but the whole idea is that we hear what God is saying and we prepare to be part of that. There's no fatalism, no kind of, ah. Uh, you know, a friend of mine called it Doris Day philosophy. Que sera, sera. Whatever will be, will be. Whatever God does, he's got to do. And it doesn't matter what I do. But it does matter whether I'm actually a part of that and I'm prepared or I'm left behind. I'm gonna be wandering back and forth because I'm finding it. Every time I look this way, I feel like, okay, I've turned my back on my wife, which is not a good thing to do. And Mark as well, sorry, Mark. I love your back, I don't know about (laughs) you. You see, I think that uh, fatalism, that basically just says, ah, it doesn't matter what God's gonna do, is actually despising prophecy. God actually speaks to us and tells us what he's going to do so we can be a part. And so there's been, as I said, prophetic words about ingathering and about a kingdom of priests. But in the midst of those, there was also words about shaking. Oh, no, I'm not sure about that. I like that part. Acts chapter 20 and verse 27. Paul says, for I've not shunned to declare to you the whole counsel of God. I'm not drawn back. I've not been afraid to tell you everything God says. Not just the parts we like. And so if we're actually going to give weight to the prophetic, we need to look at everything that the uh, prophetic is saying. And part of that is that there is a shaking that is taking place. Now, shaking is a biblical concept. We talked about we want to be fully word and fully spirit. Now, what that means is that when we talk about what God is doing in times, he, he doesn't just start right now. We find keys to that in the Bible. It talks about in-gathering. There's a whole uh, study you can do about the different uh, feasts and how they've been fulfilled in the new, new covenant, in the, the kingdom. And the one that's still outstanding is the Feast of Tabernacles are in gathering. So there's a part of the word that leads us to understand when there's prophetic words about -gathering, they're not just someone making up something. It's actually in the flow of what God's been saying for hundreds or thousands of years. The same about shaking. Hebrews chapter 12. I want to see some of this biblically. Why are we doing this? so that we're prepared. Hebrews chapter 12 and verse 25. Actually, I'm going to start at verse 18 just because I like the Bible. For you have not come to the mountain that may be touched and burned with fire and to blackness and darkness and tempest and the sound of trumpet and the voice of words so that those who heard it begged that the world, that the word, word, i Just brush my teeth and I can't do anything with my tongue. (laughs) Beg that the word should not be spoken to them anymore. That's a reference to coming to the mountain where, where Israel was when God spoke to them. How many of you know that the Ten Commandments, before they were actually written, were spoken? Go back and read that. God spoke them to the whole nation. They were afraid of hearing God's voice and being in his presence. So they drew back and they sent Moses by himself. The beginning of losing the presence of God (coughs) from the people. I don't know why I said that, but... uh, For they could not endure what was commanded, and if so much as a beast touched the mountain, it shall be stoned or shot with an arrow. And so testifying... Was this, and so terrifying was the sight that Moses said, I am exceedingly afraid and trembling. But you have come to Mount Zion, to the city of the living God, the heavenly Jerusalem, to an innumerable company of angels, to the general assembly and church of the firstborn. He's, this is what, who he's talking to. You're part of that. So this is for you. You're part of that church. Of the firstborn who are registered in heaven, to God the judge of all, to the spirits of just men made perfect, to Jesus, the mediator of the New covenant, and to the blood that sprinkles of sprinkling that speaks better things than that of Abel. See that you do not refuse him who speaks. That's what His word is saying. Be careful that you don't despise when God speaks his word, and his spirit. For if they did not escape who refused him who spoke on earth, much more shall we not escape if we turn away from him who speaks from heaven, whose voice didn't shook the earth. But now he has promised, saying, yet once more I shake not only the earth, but also the heaven. Now this, yet once more, indicates the removal of those things which are being shaken, as of things which are made, and the things which cannot be shaken may remain. Sounds like a bad situation, huh? Therefore, since we're receiving a kingdom that cannot be shaken, let us have grace by which we may serve God acceptably with reverence and godly fear, for our God is a consuming fire. There's something there about God saying that there is a time of shaking that is coming. And that's what some of the prophets have picked up on when they talk about, in the midst of this in-gathering, a shaking. A shaking. I think the two are tied together, but you need to be aware of both. Here he's quoting from uh, the book of Haggai in the Old Testament. And let me turn there real quick. Actually, let me not turn there. Let me just go to the overhead because uh, it's so much quicker. I should just preach this way. (laughs) And yet now be strong, Zerubbabel, says the Lord, and be strong, Joshua, son of Jehoshaphat, the high priest, and be strong, all of you people of the land, says the Lord, and work, for I am with you. Sounds like the the words God just said this morning. Uh, Says the Lord of hosts. The next one. Is it on the next one? Who's doing this? According to the the word that I covenanted with you when you came out of Egypt, so my spirit remains among you. Do not fear, for thus says the Lord of hosts, once more once more, it is a little while, I will shake heaven and earth, the sea and dry land, and I will shake all nations, and they shall come to the desire of all nations, and I will fill this temple with glory, says the Lord of hosts. The desire of all nations, and the silver is mine, and the gold is mine, says the Lord of hosts. The desire of all nations is Jesus. Do you see what God is saying? In the midst of Jesus being revealed, in the midst of, and then gathering, there is a shaking that takes place that everything that people have trusted in, everything they've built upon starts to crumble, and the only thing that is not shaking is the kingdom and the king. Right. We pray for revival. How many of us really pray in praying for revival say, God, whatever it takes, even if everything I've built my life on falls apart? Bring revival. Joel chapter 3, verse 16 says it again The Lord also will roar from Zion and utter his voice from Jerusalem. Heavens and the earth will shake, but the Lord will be a shelter for his people and the strength of the children of Israel. One more, Revelation 6, from verse 12. I looked when he opened the sixth seal, and behold, there was a great earthquake. And the sun became black as as sackcloth of hair, and the moon became like blood. And was that the only one I wanted, or did it go on? And the stars of heaven fell on the earth. Fig tree drops as light figs when it is shaken by a mighty wind. The sky receded as a scroll when it was rolled up, and every mountain and island was moved out of its place. The kings of the earth, the great men, the rich men, the commanders, the mighty men... Every slave and every free man hid themselves in the caves and in the rocks of the mountains and said to the mountains and rocks fall on us and hide us from the face of him who sits on the throne and from the wrath of the lamb It sounds like everything's going to be shaken <laughs> Nature Earthquakes, storms, how many of you ever read the news? Do you see that that's happening? An increased acceleration of that's already taking place. Governments, nations, shaking. Do you see that taking place already? It has been, but it seems to be even more. Finances, stock exchange is like a roller coaster. It's got the highest high, and then it drops, and it's got the lowest low, and people are, you know, did I lose all my money? And then it comes back the next day, and... People have no idea, and the dollar exchange rate goes up and down. It's all over the place. Even relationships get shaken. Okay, are you totally depressed now? (laughs) The good news is that while that's happening in the world, we're part of an unshakable kingdom. And God says, because we're part of his unshakable kingdom, we're built on that and we won't be shaken. And that in itself is a testimony to the world of the greatness of God. Why is the kingdom unshakable? It's unshakable because of the holy and unchanging king. Because the king is unchangeable. You know, the holy is probably the number one characteristic that the Bible ascribes to God. Even more than loving is holy. Isaiah 6.3, the angels around the throne singing, holy, holy, holy is the Lord. They're not singing, loving, loving, loving is God. As wonderful as that is, you can never understand the love of God unless you understand the holiness of God. Holiness means a couple of things. And here's where we get confused sometimes. It means pure. 1 Timothy 6.16 says, God dwells in unapproachable light. Does that mean God is unapproachable? No, he's loving. He wants a relationship with us. But it's talking about his purity, his holiness. It's like such a bright light that we can't even get near him if we have any sin. But it also means different, set apart, a different order of being. See, some of us have this concept, if we were honest, of life being like a column that gets more complex as it gets toward the top. And on the bottom, you have like single-cell amoebas and... And built on that, we have this idea, and somewhere in there is dogs. Lower than we think. And those of you who are cat lovers think that above that is cats. And some, somewhere in there is man, a little lower than the angels. And up on top is God. But what the Bible teaches us is that that is a wrong concept. God is a totally different Order of being. He's not just a more exalted than we are. He's totally different. He's totally separate. Why is that important? Because when we have this concept, we think that as we get better, we'll become more like him. But inherent in that concept is that maybe God could change and become better. Or maybe God could deteriorate and become worse. See, the fact that he's a totally separate order of being, set apart, different, is that he can't get better and he can't get worse. He doesn't grow old. He doesn't get tired. See, everything else on that column has limitations as created beings. We get tired. We grow old. We don't get better. Well, we might know more. But physically, we start growing older. And sometimes we think of God as a much older man. How many of you have this picture of God as an old guy with a long gray beard? (laughs) Be honest. (laughs) See, the problem with that is that inherent in that is this idea that God could actually get worse. (laughs) But he can't. And so the kingdom that is built on him is unchangeable. But it's also unshakable for us when we're built on an unshakable foundation. Matthew chapter 7. This is all my introduction. You thought I was kidding when I said I was going to preach for an hour and a half. Matthew chapter 7 from verse 24 says this. Therefore, whoever hears these sayings of mine and does them, I will liken him to a wise man who built his house on the rock. And the rain descended and the floods came and the winds blew and beat upon the house and it did not fall for it was founded on the rock. Whoever does these words, hears these words of mine and does them is like a man who builds his house upon the rock and everything was shaking, but they weren't. But everyone who hears these things of mine and does not do them will be like a foolish man who built his house on the sand. The wind descended, the floods came, the winds blew, and beat on the house and it fell, and great was the fall. What is he saying? saying that we're built on an unshakable kingdom if we hear God's word and build our lives accordingly. Think about that. talked last week about being transformed by the renewing of our mind. Do you allow the Bible to change your image of God and build your life not on the philosophies of the world but on the values of the kingdom? Because if you do that, that's what will stand when everything else is shaken. So with that as my introduction, <laughs> turn with me to 1 Chronicles 29. I want to talk briefly about God as our source. I preached on this in uh, October, I think it was, and uh, I don't want to re-preach the whole thing, but I want to make you aware of some, some things. 1 Chronicles chapter 29, from verse 11, says this, Yours, O God, is the greatness, the power, the glory, the victory, and the majesty. For all that is in heaven and in earth is yours. Yours is the kingdom, O God, and you are exalted as head over all. Sounds good, Huh? Both riches and honor come from you, and you reign over all. In your hand is power and might. In your hand it is to make great and to give strength to all. Now, therefore, O God, we thank you and praise your glorious name. But who am I and who are my people that we should be able to offer so willingly as this? For all things come from you, and of your own we've given All things come from you. What I want you to understand this is that God is the source of everything good. That's got to set in our hearts because that's the foundation that we build every other concept of theology on, the Word of God, that God is the source and everything comes from him. Deuteronomy chapter 8, verse 17 says, And then you say in your heart, My power and the might of my hand have gained me this wealth. You shall remember the Lord your God, for it is he who gives you power to get wealth, that he may establish his covenant which he swore to your fathers, as it is this day. Take a deep breath. I'm not talking about money. Today. I'm talking about something much bigger than that. If you reduce it to that, you're going to miss out on something really important. One more scripture John chapter 5. Sorry, chapter 15. Verse 5 says, I am the vine, you are the branches. He who abides in me, and I in him bears much fruit. For without me, you can do nothing. All those are saying this, and I want you to grab this. God is the source of life. He's the source of love. He's the source of provision. He's the source of value. He's the source of healing. He is the source. The problem is, is that he's very creative and he uses different means to release things to us. The danger is that we confuse the means with the source. So I'm not feeling well, and I get Steve to pray for me, and God touches me and heals me, and I think it was Steve. So next time I'm sick, i got to get Steve because he's obviously got the anointing. And I quickly look away from the fact that God's the source to Steve is the source. I have a need financially. God gives me a job. And that becomes my focus. And I think the job is my source. It's the means. But then they start putting pressure on me to do things that I'm not comfortable with. But I'm afraid to lose my job because it's my source. And I start compromising my lifestyle. And I lose the very testimony that God's given me to be a light there because I've mistaken the job as my source when it's the means. Let me ask you, have you got your eyes on the means rather than the source? Your job is not your source. God is. Your spouse is not your source. Oh, but but she loves me and I feel so loved and accepted and that's wonderful. But if she's my source, then I put a huge pressure on her or him. What happens when she has a bad day Your doctor is not your source. Let me tell you, your church is not your source. Jesus is our source. And while he can use any of us, if we limit who he can use to minister to us, we miss out. We think, I need Tim. If Tim prays for me, I'll get healed. But I come up for prayer, and it's not Tim. It's Michael and Margaret. I go, but I really wanted Tim. No, I want to tell you what you really wanted is Jesus. You with me? If we see the means as the source, we get into big trouble when things start shaking. Is the right government your source of peace and stability? Is the world economic situation your source of security? Do you watch that all the time? And, oh, They've got to make the right decisions, otherwise it's going to all fall apart. Is the approval of others your source of value and worth? The question is, is God your source? We're going to do a series over the next few weeks on the unshakable kingdom. But let me tell you, the kingdom is not unshakable for you unless God is your source. Just because you go to a church with people who God is their source doesn't mean that you're unshakable. Just because you have good friends who who God is their source and they have a relationship with him doesn't mean that you're going to be unshakable. Well, I'm going to go hang out in their house when everything falls apart. They've built their house on the right foundation, on the rock, and it won't fall apart, so I'll just go hang out in their house. Problem is, it doesn't work that way. You're not a Christian because your parents are a Christian. You're not a Christian because you go to church. Someone said, going to church doesn't make you a Christian any more than sitting in a garage makes you a car. If I sit here long enough, maybe I'll catch it by osmosis. You catch it when you come and connect with Jesus. Why am I saying all this? Because we're going to talk about kingdom leadership. We're going to talk about kingdom finances. We're going to talk about kingdom relationships. All those things to build our house on the rock, but none of them will make sense unless you know Jesus. Unless he's your source. So I'm going to ask you if you bow your head. I was lying. I'm not preaching for an hour and a half. Don't give Phil a tough time. Before we move on, just take a moment and say, "God, have, have I got my eyes off of you and onto other things?" I want to build my house on the rock. I wanna be part of an unshakable kingdom when everything else is shaking. You don't have to be a rocket scientist to figure out that everything's shaking already. And it's just getting worse and worse. Just take a moment. We're part of an unshakable kingdom when Jesus is our king. Because the kingdom is unshakable because of the king. The king determines the kingdom. Not anything else. And when we're connected with him, when he's king and Lord in our lives, he then can build us so that we're unshakable. Some of you have gone through some difficult circumstances You've gone through some hurtful things. You've gone through some transition. You've gone through other things. But the way you stand is that you're built on Jesus. He's the only thing that's unshakable. If you don't know him, we'd love to introduce you to him today. But for the rest of us, let's just set our hearts, God, this year, we're gonna build on the right foundation. Now, most of us think we have until we're faced with the truth of the word and we go, hmm, maybe I need to make some adjustments. You know what the danger in these last days is? It's, it's this, rather than making adjustments, we change the word. That's what the Bible says. In the last days, they'll heap up for themselves teachers who tickle their ears. Why? Who gives me the word I like. Not the whole counsel of God. We could just say, hey, in-gathering, wonderful, wonderful. Let's let's we get to be a part of that. Fantastic. And we do. But in addition to that, they're shaking. Lord, we're so grateful that we're part of your kingdom when we know you. We're so grateful that we get to partner with you in this kingdom adventure. And Lord, we just open our hearts to your spirit, to the things that you say to us from your word, from the the prophetic words, from your spirit. We just say we want to be a part of what you're doing. And Lord, we thank you for that. Empower us by your spirit. In Jesus' name. Amen. Why don't you stand with me, please? We're going to be dismissed and have some coffee and tea. But I want to tell you that if you don't know Jesus, we'd love to introduce you to him this morning. If you haven't been filled with his Holy Spirit, we'd love to pray with you for the infilling of the Holy Spirit. If you've got some hurts, God wants to touch and bring healing. There's some people who'd love to pray with you. We have this great privilege to be part of what he's doing. gives us purpose beyond just living and breathing. <coughs> Eating food, which sounds good right now, <laughs> right, if it's rubbing your belly. Hey Amen. There'd be some folks who'd love to pray with you uh, as we approach these next <laughs> few weeks on kingdom. Please just say, God. Make adjustments in me where adjustments are needed. Okay? Amen. God bless you.